Getting referrals is only half the battle. I mean, you know that, right? For this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, we're going to talk to Bill Cates, author of Unlimited Referrals, about turning referrals into customers. of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz. My guest today is Bill Cates, president of Referral Coach International, author of Unlimited Referrals, Get More Referrals Now, Don't Keep Me a Secret, and we're going to talk about his upcoming book called Beyond Referrals, How to Use the Perpetual Revenue System to Turn Referrals into high-value clients. So those of you that have been listening along this month know that referrals are the topic for January 2013, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, welcome, Bill. John, thank you very much, and uh, put a plug in for your book, Referral Engine. Oh, it's a good book for referrals. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, so, I, you know, I have to say, especially since you went as far as trademarking this idea, <laughs> I want to know what a perpetual revenue system is. Well, something we all want, isn't it? And it's uh, it's a pretty simple concept. Um, essentially, it's this, and, and it's all referral related to, to client acquisition. So we we have a client or customer, we're serving them well, we're doing a good job, and it becomes a leverageable relationship. So we ask for referrals to get referrals unsolicited. And what I found is, and, and everyone knows this, referrals are not the end game, right? Referrals are a means to an end. So everyone wants more referrals, but what they really want is new clients and new customers from referrals. So right. the key is to keep it going. And so after we get the referral, we have to get an introduction. We have to get connected in some way to this new prospect of ours. We have to set an appointment, whether that's an in-person appointment or whether it's a telephone appointment or getting them on one of our webinars as an appointment. There's some, every business has some form of appointment. And then we want to convert them from a, a, a prospect into uh, a client or a customer. Once we have the client or customer, we serve them well, and we get referrals and introductions and appointments, and the thing just continues and continues. The beautiful thing about referrals is that a, a study I saw showed that any client or customer that comes into a business through a referral is two and a half times more likely to give referrals. They're predisposed, and it just makes common sure, sense that yeah, they right. would be. <laughs> right? So it's able to create. You're able to create that that perpetual flow. You just need to have the right mindset and awareness and attention to do it, and then of course having the right tools in place and the willingness to use those tools will get this thing going, and you create a, a perpetual flow of revenue for your business. I've done it for my business. You've done it for your business. It's very possible. Uh, to do when we think in those terms. You know, it's funny. I also find that typically somebody that comes by way of referral is less likely to ask, you know, can I get a deal, you know, as their first question, at least anyway. Um, you know, right. they, they tend yeah, to kind right, of already right. understand the value of why, you know, why they should hire you or, or buy from you. That's right. Price sensitivity tends to be less uh, with a prospect that comes in from a referral. Not to say it's not there, and it depends a little bit on the business model. Every, you know, different businesses, there's more price sensitivity than others. But clearly, if someone recommends you and vouches for you, you come in at a higher level of trust, right? That's what makes the referral work. The prospect comes in at a higher level of trust. I like to call it borrowed trust. We borrow the trust in one relationship long enough to earn our own trust in this new relationship. And because they come in at a higher level of trust, 
everything gets easier. That's why people want referrals in the first place. And what we need to do is, is understand that how you pursue the referral prospects, how you set the appointment, how you attempt to make the sale, is different with a referral prospect than it is from someone that comes from another source. I know you spend a lot of time working with financial professionals, and um, you know one of the things I find, and I'm sure you've discovered this too, a lot of it really comes down to having the confidence to ask. I can't tell you how many people have told me they're, they, they're worried that it's going to be off-putting, that, uh, that it seems yeah. like they're begging. And, and I know you've even gone as far as creating something called a referral uh, confidence quotient. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the role of confidence and, and then this tool that you've developed. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, being proactive for referrals, asking for referrals, without looking like an overaggressive life insurance agent, uh, is all about confidence. It's not rocket science. And the fact that I teach it in a lot in financial services, although not exclusively, it's probably one of the toughest environments to get referrals because we're dealing with people's personal financial matters and people get more, uh, more private, more reserved when it comes to referrals around financial matters than they might if they're referring someone to buy a car or a copier or a, or a marketing guru. You know, it's, it's, it's more, uh, uh, it's a little tougher. So we, we know we can do it with financial folks. We know that the system works with everybody. And you're right, it's about confidence. And that's true for any aspect of our life, right? Where when we feel confident about something, um, we take action. And the more confident, usually the more effective action. When we don't feel confidence, what do we feel? We feel fear, doubt, uncertainty, inaction. And so really it's about, Creating that confidence. What comes from what creates confidence, particularly around asking for referrals, because most people or many people are reluctant to ask, is is a couple things. First of all, it, it's to have a path to to, uh, to to follow. Remember, we have a very specific path called the VIPS method uh, of how to ask for referrals. R- repeat that again. Very, What's the name of the method? VIPS. Uh, oh, okay. I think of it this way. Referrals are the VIPs of our business, right? The very important piece of our business. And, and I can go through this real quick in a second if you'd like. But we have a very specific method with which to ask. Uh, I encourage people writing out a, a, a script, not necessarily memorizing the script, but just getting a real clear sense of what they're going to say. That builds confidence. And then practicing it a few times with a friend, a colleague, family member, anybody. Just, just You see, whenever we try on a new sales skill or marketing skill or anything we're going to say differently to a customer or a client or a prospect, we don't want the first time we say it to be to, to that, you know, prospect or, or customer. We want to practice it a couple of times, and that's what builds the confidence. And as the confidence builds, what happens is not only are we more willing to do it, but uh, we get a better response. When you ask someone to referrals in a very confident, not arrogant, or a sensitive way, but in a confident way, just feeling good about the work you do and, and feeling good about wanting to bring your good work and your value to other people, you're going to get a better response from folks. Yeah, I, I like that idea of practice. I mean, think about all the things that people do that that are high level, that, that you know, they generate a lot of money from, uh, you know, the other things that you do in business. And, and to think that you're just going to go out there and master that without, without practicing, I think, is... Um, there's probably no other, you know, think about a professional sports or any, any other industry, music. I mean, who who would do that, right? Right, right. I mean, when, when do, 
professional athletes stop practicing? Well, probably when they retire. Yep. When do musicians stop practicing? Possibly never. Yep. So, you know, if, if you view what you do as a profession and you want to get good at it, then and it's not just with referrals, it's with any aspect of, of the, the sales and marketing process. you got to think through it, practice it. You know, I can't tell you how many times I'm, I'm driving down the road, i got my Bluetooth in my ear, so people think I'm talking on the phone, and I'm just talking through a script. I'm talking through, you know, what am I going to say to this person? And I'll talk through it two or three or four times. So when I get in front of them or on the phone, I know what I'm going to say, and so I'm confident in it, and I don't fumble through it. That's awesome. So you leave the Bluetooth device in so that people don't think you're crazy, right? Yeah, that's right. And not that I care. I'm not going to people again, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, so let me ask you a, a, a subject that comes up all the time. I, I have a mm-hmm. definitive opinion, and I bet you do too. Of course, in the financial right. services industry, they're regulated a lot. But a lot of people want to talk about, you know, should you or how should you incentivize people for referrals? Well, <clears throat> I, I believe you should thank people for referrals. I believe that it, it's always good to say thank you. It could be a, something as simple as a handwritten note. It could be uh, a small gift. I like things that are flat and easy to mail, like um, you know, a Starbucks gift card or something like that. Right. I'm, I'm not a strong believer in purely incentivizing. In other words, saying to someone, look, if you give me a referral, I will give you this. You know, this coupon, this cash receipt, or your cash card, or whatever. I've done a lot of work with a lot of different kinds of companies, financial services, home improvement services, where they've tried that. They've tried giving out a gas card or one uh, home improvement services company in Indianapolis used a uh, uh, government savings bond. And they found that it didn't increase their referrals at all. People don't give referrals for the most part because you're going to give them something back. They give you referrals because they see the value in the work that you do. They like you. They trust you. They want other people in their life, business, personal, whatever, to experience your value. So I think it's, number one, a waste a waste of time and money in, in most cases. Now, have I seen it work? Occasionally, yes. Occasionally, it works. But usually the best thing to do is make the referral all about the value, the relationship, the value that you can bring to whoever they refer you to. And then you have to make a gesture of saying thank you. Uh, with this could be a small gift. Uh, if you want to tailor the gift to an individual, I do that a lot. It's when I get a referral, it's usually worth a fair amount of money. I'll tailor a little gift to someone, and, and you get more bang for your buck when it's tailored to, to their interest. But let me tell you something around saying thank you that most people don't think about. And it goes like this, you know, client A gives you a referral to prospect B. You say thank you to client A in some way. But when prospect B becomes client B, what you really want is client B thanking client A mm, right. for that referral to you, right? Because that reinforces your referability. And there's different ways you can do that. You can take all the parties out to lunch. You can you can just suggest, say, hey, John, would you thank George for putting us together? He needs to know he did a good thing here. There's a lot of ways to do that. Um, but that's, you know, we want to say thank you, but what's really powerful is when a new client says thank you to their friend or colleague. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that keeps that tap flowing. And, and I think you're absolutely right. Appreciation is actually a tremendous incentive for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I got yeah. one time I referred somebody and they sent me two lottery tickets. I thought that was kind of fun. I, I didn't win anything, well, it can be I didn't win anything but it was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, 
I've done that, and, and sometimes, you know, I'm in Maryland and they're in California, and I, I tell them, look, if you win, I'll cash it in for you, and I'll send 10% service charge, you know. Anyway, you can have fun with this. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so how has, in your opinion, the Internet really changed the whole game of selling and, and referrals and uh, introductions? Well, it's interesting. I think it changed in some ways, and, and some things that haven't changed at all. In other words, the Internet... And social media, on top of that, you know, it's one big word of mouth machine, if you think about it, right? right. It's one big referral machine. And, but that, that, that dynamic isn't any different. In other words, you have to provide value. You have to do a good job. Uh, if you do a good job, people will talk about you. And the good thing, of course, about social media and the internet is they can talk about a lot of people, you know, a lot of people can hear a lot quickly, very quickly. Obviously, on the downside, if you don't do a good job, a lot of people can hear really really quickly. (laughs) Very, very quickly. So it forces us to have impeccable uh, standards around serving our customers or clients. I mean, you look at the the, the video that went viral on YouTube with the, you know, United Breaks Guitars. I mean, you know, that... That's nothing United wanted out there, right? And it just happened again on Delta, and Delta's working very fast to squash that very quickly. Uh, yeah, people learned a lesson from that one. So, you know, when, when people liked us on Facebook or they linked to us with LinkedIn, it, again, it's just one big word of mouth machine. So um, we've got to provide a lot of value. Uh, we got to, you know, do good work for people and form good relationships with them and nurture those relationships. And then what we can do, of course, is to encourage them to take advantage of the different social media that are out there. So, you know, whether to like us or link with us or whatever, um, you know, what a lot of people are doing, uh, especially in business-to-business type of situations, they're, they're getting involved in LinkedIn. And, of course, you can go on someone's LinkedIn file. You can see who they're connected to if you're linked with them. And sometimes that's a fuel for a referral conversation. You know, John, I see that you know George Smith over at XYZ. You know, I think I could be a good resource. And how do you feel about introducing me to him? And then you could introduce me via LinkedIn. I've also found, by the way, in my own marketing and prospecting efforts, that when I can't reach someone over the phone or with a conventional email, if I can link with them and send them a LinkedIn message, uh, they'll very often respond. I think there's still a, a certain novelty with LinkedIn, with a, with a number of people that they just seem to be more responsive to it than they might a regular email. So it's, it's changed it in the sense that uh, it's much easier to create a reputation. It's much easier to hurt a reputation. It's much easier to, uh, and to, uh, to create a reputation very quickly because of that. But the dynamic of why people refer you hasn't changed at all. You know, one of the things I find kind of interesting is that you, it gives you sort of a public platform to demonstrate that you do what you say you do. I see people all the time on, on Twitter where people are praising them or they're connecting people or they're, they're, they're basically doing good deeds or, or, or adding value. And it, and it, you know, they're not necessarily doing it. So I see it, but I do. And I, and I think that that's another really powerful aspect of that. And I think I'm sure you, you know, you preached it to your folks is, is the whole thing with Twitter and, and LinkedIn and Facebook is that you just can't be, you can't be hitting people over the head with promotion. Yep. Um, you have to provide value. And what happens is they see what you, they like what you say. They want more of it. And it, it's really a, um, 
one of the leading edges of your pipeline, right? To get people into your pipeline uh, through Twitter, through Facebook, through LinkedIn. In a free way, they experience some of your value. And then eventually they, they say, hey, how do I get more? I mean, how do I get more of you? And, and that's when you can start to monetize those uh, mediums. You use the terms um, introduction and referrals um, as different elements of the, the revenue, perpetual revenue system and, and ultimate end game of turning referrals into clients. But um, so, so explain to me maybe the difference because I, I, I do know that some people that I've talked to when we talk about referrals, they'll actually say, you know, what I'm really trying to get is just introductions. Uh, you know, introduce me to people and let me, you know, build this network. And, and I'd wonder if I'd love to hear your kind of how those line up for you. Yeah, I, I make a distinction between a referral and an introduction, but clearly you can kind of put the two together and, and, and make it one. Uh, that's what I look for these days. I look for connections. I look for introductions. When someone says, "Hey, you could probably help George Smith," I'll say, "Great. How would you like me to? How would you like to introduce me to him?" I'm always, you know, working for that connection, and, and that's what we need these days. What a lot of people will do is, you know, they'll get names, they'll, they'll get leads, right? You have the, the the groups like BNI Business Network International and Alertip and some of those groups, which are great, mm-hmm. but sometimes. You just get leads, right? They give you, hey, you should talk to so-and-so, or you should see this store down their street or whatever. Well, that's not a connection. And these days, with, with uh, the do-not-call regulations, if it's business to consumer, and, and it's just so darn hard to reach people. I mean, it's just so hard to reach people that we need to get connected. We need to get introduced. So I use the word referrals a lot, but what I really mean, and I think if we're talking to a customer or a client, I think we want to use the word introduction. Uh, how would you like to introduce me to George? Let's talk about how you introduce me to George, uh, so he'll, you know, you know, be interested in hearing from me. And when you do that, what happens, of course, is now you that prospect has heard about you. They've heard something good from their friend or colleague, and now they're certainly more willing to take your call or uh, respond to your email. Yeah, or maybe even feel obligated <laughs> to some extent. Well, a little bit. I mean, some people, it depends on the nature of the relationship. What really makes referrals work is, is the, the level of trust between the two parties, right, between the, the, the referral source and, and the prospect. And the more that prospect trusts that referral source, the more weight that referral carries. And so, in fact, I know one small business owner, when he asks referrals, he, he point blank comes out to folks and say, hey, you know, we're just brainstorming here, but... Um, Let's see if we can identify a couple of people who you think would take my call just because you asked them to. And so what you're looking for there is really high-trust relationships. And yeah. we all have a few of those people yeah, in our I, life, right? They would take, our, take the call just because we asked them to. Yeah. I actually had a client one time that would take a list of eight or ten. So he'd go see a client, and he'd take a list of eight or ten people that he thought they might know, be it because of their neighborhood or industry or whatever and he would actually put the list down and say you know these are some folks i'd really like to help you know could you introduce me to any of these people and it was amazing how you know how that simplified the process for them because it was like yeah oh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I don't. yeah yeah i'm a huge advocate in that, of that I, I i really think that when we if we're going to ask referrals the last thing we want to do is to say to someone hey who do you think we can help yep Unfortunately, that's how most people ask referrals. They throw up in the whole universe to their client or customer and say, hey, who else can we help? And then the 
client or customer draws a blank and says, well, I don't know, I'll give it some thought, and then the conversation fizzles. Uh, treating it with confidence, having a confident quotient come into play is all about coming prepared for the conversation. Number one, we're prepared. To, we know what we're going to say, so we're prepared in that regard, but we know where we're going to take the conversation. So whether it's specific individuals that we already know exist in their life, could be the board of directors or, you know, the board of an association, uh, could be their business partner. We identify specific people in their life. We can get that from LinkedIn. We could, if we're targeting a niche, if we're doing some vertical marketing, we can print out a list of, of members for a different organization. And you can say, you know, would you be willing to open a couple of doors for me here? You know, I've got a list of some folks. I think I could serve pretty well. Who do you know on the list? Who do you think I should call? Who should, who should I not call? You can have a little fun with it. You say, who shouldn't I call on this list? And that usually gets a smile. And so that diffuses any kind of tension you might be feeling, and, and, and you have a very productive brainstorming. I see the referral process as a brainstorming together. We're collaborating together to figure out how we can help other people. Again, how we can help other people. That's where it's got to come from. Yeah, and, and, and then to throw in some of these technology tools, for example, you, you can have a, a client and, and you can actually look at, they, they have, they follow 273 people. You can see who they have conversations with a lot. Uh, and, and sometimes that can be a, a great, uh, gives you some great clues on uh, where you ought to be mining as well. No question. And, and where some people may not be willing or, you know, uh, able to refer you to specifically to specific individuals, just bringing this up, they may be very willing to tweet about you, yep. to, to let, you know, to, to put something out on our Facebook page um, or LinkedIn. So just bringing this up, of let, you know, help me reach some other people. Um, it, it's amazing. And when you're dealing with um, other sales and marketing type people, you can be very transparent around this. You could say, look, if, if you were me, who would you be trying to reach in your industry? Right. And, you know, and, and then you work together. You collaborate to help people. So we talked about this idea of being very specific. And the fact of the matter is a lot of times, you know, even if you say, hey, here, you know, here are some people I want to connect with. Uh, you know, maybe the, maybe the person doesn't know anybody right now. That maybe, they're, maybe you're in a business where somebody has to be selling a home, you know, before they're a prospect, uh, something right, like that right. that you can't predict. What right. are some ways that you stay top of mind so that, that when those moments of truth kind of crop up, they, they continue to think about you? Sure. Well, you know, there's a lot of tools, obviously, newsletters. A lot of people have it. Um, Interestingly enough, I've met a number of people in different professions that are going back to paper newsletters because the, the open rates on, on e-zines are, you know, slowly diminishing. And uh, so they're actually mailing things out now. They're using a combination of mail and electronics. Uh, one thing that I've done that's been very effective for me, I recommend it for others, is develop a VIP list. And the VIP list could be made of key clients and advocates. It could be centers of influence who may not be clients. It could be some key prospects. And it could be you know, roughly 100 people of your VIPs. These are the people that you want to stay top of mind. And you find different ways to to uh, to serve them, to bring value to them. Uh, some can be very much uh, information-oriented. Uh, front, we, you know, we'll send out a CD. We'll send out somebody else's book. Uh, we'll send out a report. 
you can also have fun with this list. When my daughter was a little younger and we were, she was selling Girl Scout cookies, uh, she led her troop in, in sales one year because I bought 270 boxes of Thin Mints to send out to uh, a couple of our VIP lists. And I'll tell you, of all the things we sent out, that got the biggest reaction. I, I just was inundated by email and a few phone calls. You know, and they say, hey, I'm sitting here with a glass of milk and thin mint, you know. Yeah. Thanks for making me sad. And, and so uh, it doesn't have to always be value. Sometimes it can be fun. Uh, and so we just, we have a plan. The key is to have a plan in place. Whether you send something every month or every quarter, you have to stay top of mind. Uh, usually, after about a year, if you have not been in touch with a client, a customer, a prospect, after about a year, you can pretty much be assured they're going to forget about you. They might even forget your name. Uh, I saw a study once that says, as each month passes, when you haven't been in touch with a customer, when you get to, to the point of about a year, the odds of them doing business with you or someone else are about equal. You've really lost all of that goodwill that you've created if, it take, if you've not been in touch with them within that year yeah it makes total sense so one of the things that i know you end your book up with uh, your your upcoming book uh, beyond referrals is this idea of getting an entire organization involved and i really i really do think that that is essential i think a lot of organizations really still have the mindset that the salespeople do the selling and the, and the referral generation. And I think the new way of doing business is that, that everyone sells, that everyone participates in marketing, that everyone uh, could or, or should be enabled to participate in referral generation. I wonder if you've got some ideas on, on how, how you do that organization-wide. Yeah, sure. So um, not, it's not everyone is necessarily going to ask for referrals, but everyone has a role in building a, an organization that's a referral-based business. So, for instance, people in more of a customer service uh, type of, of, of mode uh, of, of serving the customer, uh, they help create the referability of the organization. Right? They, they help create a situation where someone is willing to talk about the organization. The salespeople, the rainmakers, those are usually the ones that are going to be asking for referrals. Uh, people inside, deeper inside an organization that don't have customer contact are serving people who do have customer contact. And so what we want to do is put to the organization, whether it's three people or, you know, a thousand people, is we want to build our business to referrals and word of mouth. Why? Because it's how people want to meet us. It doesn't cost us anything. Right? What does it cost for a referral? Virtually nothing. Maybe a little thank you something at the most. Most businesses pay attention to their cost per lead, right? What does it cost to get that lead? And uh, in some cases, it's very high. I worked for a, a window replacement firm where their cost for an appointment to be having a salesperson sit down and someone in their home to talk about window replacement was up to $500 for that appointment. Wow. That puts a lot of pressure, and it, 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 it reduces profitability for sure. So when you make a decision to build a, a business based on word of mouth and referrals and introductions, and you tell everyone in the organization what their role is in, in making that happen and, and why it's good for them and why it's good for the customer, right? You always got to link it to why it's good for the customer and why it's good for the new, new prospect. And we know 
And with most businesses, people would prefer to meet you through a referral or an introduction above any other way. Other marketing things can work, no question about that, but they prefer, right, especially in financial services and, and personal services and things like that. So uh, we, we've got to, we got to, referrals can't be an afterthought. They can't be what I call in my first book called forgotten gold, right? People think of referrals as icing on the cake. No, I believe referrals should be your marketing plan or a big, big part of your marketing plan. Yeah, absolutely. No question. We're talking with Bill Cates, the president of Referral Coach International and author of the upcoming book, Beyond Referrals. So this is January 2013 when we're recording this, depending upon when you're listening to uh, this, uh, Beyond Referrals will be out in April 2013. And uh, Bill, we'll, uh, we'll have you back for that and we'll talk specifically about that and uh, and help you get some more referrals for that book. How would that be? Sounds good to me, John. I appreciate it. I sure appreciate you taking the time, Bill, and we'll probably see you out there on the road somewhere. Thank you. 